Welcome to The Pulse, where we delve deep into the issues and ideas that are shaping the future of education. I'm your host, Rick Cernsey, Superintendent of the Putnam County School District, and each week we'll be talking to teachers, administrators, and other experts in the field about the latest trends, best practices, and most pressing concerns in education. Whether you're a teacher, a parent, or just someone who cares about education, this podcast is for you. So sit back, relax, and let's dive into the pulse. Well, welcome. I'm here with Tony Benford, Brandon Tony Benford. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Want to be official here. You're right. And uh, welcome, Tony. It's good to have you. And just uh, just relax. We're just going to have a real informal okay. conversation. And It's good to be here. Yeah. Yeah. I'm really anxious to, to hear what's going on with you and what's going on at Mosley. And okay. First of all, I just want to want you to talk to us about what's been your journey in education personally I mean as far as your career and where where you were and where you are now that's a great question didn't know we was going to leave with that of course I played a little college ball for Florida State I remember we'll, that we'll start there yeah that's good. <laughs> I remember that um, and upon just getting out and just trying to go and play professional ball you know you know there's a few people that go and really achieve that goal but I wanted to try to really attain that and things didn't work out well you always hear that education is kind of in the background when it comes Mm -hmm. to sports Mm -hmm. but I was able to fall back on you know my education and what I want to do now I'm not an education major I actually majored in sociology but I had some friends that encouraged me to get into coaching and I thought to myself coaches don't really make any money I don't want to do any coaching and you know, they said, well, they get as much as a teacher would get. And so I said, well, I said, I'm in need of that. And, you know, I ventured into coaching. And that's how I got started in education. Me too, Yeah, actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, so going from there, which I feel like a lot of superintendents do, mm-hmm. um, a lot of educators do. Sure. They're able to work with, you know, a lot of people. And that's what gives them a valuable asset, makes them a valuable asset. Mm-hmm. But I got into that and 10 years of working and forming relationships with a community as a coach. It was great. Mm-hmm. I started feeling the pull and the call to really try to make a larger impact on a greater scale. And um, I ventured into administration, went back to school, mm-hmm. um, had encouragement there from you know, colleagues and went back to school and ended up in Crescent City as assistant principal. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I had the opportunity to come back and work at the school that gave me the start, which was James A. Long. And that was different because I had to now be somewhat of a boss over people that I had worked with. So I had to make an adjustment and they made an adjustment. I can only imagine that. Yeah, that that's, was really that's, tough. A, that's a tough thing to now be a boss over, you know, but uh, the mindset just has to change. It's not that you're a boss over them, it's you're working with them. Mm-hmm. And so that's what I learned very quickly. And then I ended up at a special place called Mosley Elementary is where I am now. And we've done some very important work there. So that's kind of where I'm at right now. Well, and uh, we all hear about what happened at Mosley, and really something that really stands out in our district as a major event that happened. And talk to us a little bit about that whole process and, you know, taking that school from where they were. And I know you were an assistant principal at the time. And, you know, and and they're sustaining that success now. So just talk to us about the Mosley experience. Yeah, um, you know, we had to really get a background of what the school was about, but um, we had our. Um, I guess our, you know, misconceptions about what it would be out. We heard certain things, and you kind of got to fight against that. You never want to count a school out or count anybody out based off of the reputation, but understand that the 
the reputation is very real. And so we just thought about what type of place it would be, the challenges that it had. And of course, what we, what we learned and what we discovered was, you know, there's all types of behavior problems there. There's a lot of barriers that are in the way when it comes to student achievement. And so we kind of dealt with our own misconceptions and perceptions. We got in there and what we realized, kids are kids. Mm -hmm. Kids are kids everywhere. We just had to do some unique things to make sure we were meeting student needs. Mm -hmm. uh, but that work was very important. Taylor made some things to that school. And we really put the focus back on just family, you know, because mm -hmm. there were a lot of families that, you know, really, they didn't trust really the school system. They didn't want anybody mishandling their babies. Mm -hmm. And so we quickly learned, hey, wait a minute, these are your babies, but these are our babies too. And once we did that, I think that that was an open door for us to move forward. But then we needed the heavy lift and the heavy task of really trying to make sure the students were in the right place academically. And uh, something that was unfortunate, seemingly, um, we got with an external operator mm -hmm. and that that has been the biggest blessing for us to be able to learn the strategies and the framework that it takes in order to make that heavy lift cognitively the program was lsi i think it was mm -hmm. good for the district it has permeated through our district absolutely and so yep. uh that that's been great for us well, I know, and I, you know, I've heard Sarah Jean McDaniel, who mm -hmm. was the principal there when you were there. Yes, uh, yes. <laughs> and um, and when she came in, I remember her telling the story about how, right before that the year began, y'all had like thirty vacancies. Yes. Or but what's unique about that is you hired a lot of the people that are there now. Yeah. Talk to me about how you built that culture of success and how you are now sustaining that because we really. You know, the thing about Mosley, I think, was a huge culture shift, and you kind of alluded to that. So talk to me about that culture building, if you It's would. so funny. When, you're, <laughs> when your back is against the wall, you know, a lot of times that's when you see creativity come out. Mm -hmm. And so we were in that type of position, and it allowed us really to be free, in a sense, to, to really take risks. And that's what it takes in order to get a culture like that to the place that it needed to be. And so we did all types of creative things to try to hire people to come and work for us. But it first kind of started with really a belief in who we were and an mm -hmm. identity about who we were. And so we're, we still share that same thing today. When somebody comes in, as a matter of fact, I had an interview this morning and, and we make it very relaxed, but we let them also know the focus because what that mm -hmm. does is say, we're the type of people that work hard, but we want to have fun while we're working. Mm -hmm. And we want to have a focus while we're working. And so that attraction and that realness and authenticity is really what has attracted people. And I would know we was having the conversation earlier about, you know, how you can use things to your advantage. And the Internet has been great for us. Facebook and social media has been wonderful for us. So gone are the days of sitting across from one another and just having a basic interview. We used all types of modes that we could to get people in. As far as sustainability with staff members is concerned, mm -hmm. I would say that it's simply just family is what we preached a lot to them and just really being relaxed, just like kind of what you told me when we stepped in this interview, mm -hmm. hey, relax, you know, and so that's kind of what we do for them, you know, just to have a, a sharp focus to let them know that this is hard work, but this work is so hard, in fact, that we will grow closer. I mean, it's the most gratifying work that you can do. So even building purpose in there is 
kind of what we preach and it's the same message. Tony, I hear you saying that, you know, I think people really want to belong to yes. something and, and really want to be part of something that's bigger than them. Absolutely. And Absolutely. you know, what's really amazing that happened at Mosley is, and you alluded to it, the practices and the culture building that happened at Mosley through the work with LSI, mm-hmm. we've been able to extend that to other schools and yes. those practices. So talk to me about some of the instructional practices that originated out of Mosley with our partnership with LSI. Yeah, absolutely. So first, I just want to say that the district has done a very good job of really trying to pair leaders together. Because mm-hmm. before then, you know, was you get placed in a certain spot and you kind of have to adjust a little bit, but mm-hmm. they do a good job of scouting talent and pairing strengths and weaknesses. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, we talked about sports briefly, but that's what this is. This is teamwork. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the things that we discovered, that we have to have teamwork through and through our building. Mm -hmm. Uh, The first thing that started off that helped us out is the the whole framework they use, which is a it it could be a buzzword. It's called success criteria. Mm -hmm. And it's just, you know, quick things that will allow us to move towards a standard, but really spoon-fed for those students to be able to grasp that. And it still uses academic language, but it is also a kid-friendly language. So it was just different things that we had that we were able to roll out. The best thing that happened, though, is when we partnered with them, they would say, hey, we're going to try this out in your classroom. Right now it's going to be non-evaluative, but we're not going to try it a week later we're going to come tomorrow and give you the opportunity to implement it within your classroom. Mm -hmm. But the freedom of having it be non-evaluative really took some of the pressure off so that they will be able to have the freedom to fail in a sense. If they didn't get it right, then they would receive some type of coaching. So that's just one of the big things that we've had before sustainability purposes in COVID. What we learned was that we needed to continue our process of look and learns. Mm -hmm. And look and learns means that you can have a teacher within your building come in because you know in teaching you're kind of in a bubble by yourself, Mm -hmm. but you could have another teacher come in, schedule them on the schedule and look at their practices and look at what they're doing so that it builds a sense of pride within your building. Mm -hmm. Now you don't have other people coming in and telling you what to do. This is somebody in your building that you can look at, and so then it becomes more real to you, and you can say, you know, I can do this because this teacher is doing it. It's not just on your team. It's across content. It's across grade levels. And so that interwoven um, just strategy allows us to be sustainable by ourselves. I've heard people say teaching has become a team sport now. Absolutely. Absolutely. You're not alone anymore. Yeah. Not in that bubble that you Mm -hmm. talked about. and. You know, one thing that really impressed me about when, when I've walked classrooms at Mosley is just seeing the, the students own their own learning. Yes. And, and to see the interaction around the table. Mm-hmm. So talk to us about, you know, how you how you get kids to own that and how they, how they really take charge of their own learning. And- well, what we realized is that, you know, we, we're coming from old school lecturing where it was what we would call teacher-centered. Mm-hmm. And so what was missing was student voice and the power in student voice. Mm -hmm. And so through research, we learned that the person that's doing the most talking is the person that is doing the most learning. And so, you know, teachers get burnt out because what we we see is that they're doing most of the work, but the, the heavy lift is in the planning. And so, but when it comes to the classroom, 
the student voice should be the most prevalent. That should be what you're hearing. And so we had to work through what it means really socially and emotionally because a lot of our students, they want to shine. They got brothers and sisters that they fight with. They want to be right. So we had to first start there and make sure they worked as a team um, by giving them roles. You know, on every team, successful team, right. that person is going to have roles. And so what we learned is the difference between grouping and, and teamwork is, you know, roles. They have a specific thing that they are mm -hmm. accountable for, and they take ownership and pride in that, coupled with the success criteria that allows them and gives them a focus. And then you have jobs that you can tailor make to their strength where they feel a part. And so that gets our kids comfortable with talking about things and creating an atmosphere that gives them, like I alluded to earlier, the freedom to really fail, you know, the freedom to go in to an environment and say, hey, this is my idea, I want to try this out, and then have somebody say, hey, that's a great idea, but it's really not towards our focus, and really, you know, take that as not personal, but they just want to learn and grow. So that's kind of where we're at. You know, I, I had an experience recently where I actually attended one of your PLCs, mm -hmm. and um, you you were kind of leading the discussion yeah, there. Yeah. And I was really impressed with the fact that, um, you know, you were specifically talking about the culture of the school. You were looking at the instrument that we were using, the My Voice instrument, and mm -hmm. you were looking at some of the, the recent iterations of what teachers have put in there. And, you know, within that instrument, there are certain drivers and that type of thing Absolutely. that you really, like, make goals to try to achieve. Talk to me about the whole – what have you learned from the information you've gotten from teachers from that sure. instrument? And what are those conversations like? Well, one of the things that we decided to focus on was really – I believe it was teacher advancement and really what they could do to really go forward in their careers. I always – and I said this to you – I didn't, and then while they were in there, I was saying something like, you know, when you, when I met Dr. Cerency, he quickly asked me, okay, what is your plan? What is your five-year plan? I thought, wow. So I told him the five-year plan, but really what you put in there was just a way that you could move forward in a way that you could advance. Through that, what we learned is there's not always going to be a spot for a person to climb up the ladder in advance. But advancement really could be opportunity for you to make a greater impact. So you could, in a sense, stay at the same level, but what could you contribute to the school setting that would allow you to just make a greater impact? Mm -hmm. And so through that information and through that data, we begin to really highlight some of the things that we were already doing and that we just needed to tell them, look, guys, we're doing this. And then some other things um, we created opportunities so they would know, because sometimes people feel and teachers feel as if they're ready. Mm -hmm. They just need an opportunity. And so you give them different spaces that they can really feel successful in. And I think that's what that data has really taught us, that that's how we can grow. We can grow. Yes, we got certain teachers that can step up and grow into certain other spots if they're ready. But we also can make a larger and greater impact at the level you're at, but it just, you know, just broader. You know, in that same meeting, I witnessed uh, you had an instructional assistant there. And of course, I won't mention names, but right. something that really, really caught my attention is that individual mentioned in that meeting that he was going to look at going into teaching yes. because of the culture and the experience he's had at that school. That's extremely important because we are as a district and as a state, as a nation, mm -hmm. we are trying to build up our teaching profession and not only recruit them, but retain them. Absolutely. Tell me something 
What is it about Mosley and even our district that you are doing where people who may want to go into the teaching profession could see that as a rewarding career? I think the first thing that's important mm -hmm. is that we really have to try to just learn that teaching takes talent. And I, I think a lot of our parents figured out, you know, that they, there was a, new, <laughs> yeah. was a newfound respect <laughs> for teaching when, when COVID happened. Mm -hmm. But it takes, it first starts off with talent, it's, it's purpose. And so we get a lot of young people that come in and they start there. But it's important for us, seasoned veterans that have been in there, to really scout that talent and say, hey, this person is talented. I mean, they, they would make a phenomenal teacher. And then try to provide something that can help them. And so I'm very proud of our district. Um, I had the opportunity to go to New Orleans and go to a national mm -hmm. teaching shortage. Now, I didn't, I didn't want to go. I didn't want to leave my school. <laughs> but I'm so glad that I was able to go. We learned that what we're doing here what we're now naming Grow Your Own, mm -hmm. it's very important. We're able to really, you know, grow talent that's here. And a lot of it is, you know, it's our students that we've taught. And that is adds a very special later in, in and of itself. And we know they're going to be here because mm -hmm. they, they grew Absolutely. up here. Mm -hmm. So that, uh, that allows us to look at them and really encourage them and have even some of our paraprofessionals really – get hands-on training and look exactly what we're doing and then build it builds confidence they're able to say you know what i think i want to do this i think i can do this and so we just highlight that teaching still really is a it's a great profession and if it wasn't it wouldn't be part of fivefold ministry the good <laughs> lord made it a part of that so teaching is very it, it's very real it's a great thing and it, it's there's so much purpose wrapped in it and so uh, we just try to be as honest as possible and as real as possible that you will never find a more a profession that's more gratifying than really molding the mind of a student. Tony, that's amazing. And uh, I mean, and again, experiencing that firsthand and seeing that young man, I mean, that just speaks to your leadership and just the culture of your school. And I can't be more proud. And, you know, I always talk about Mosley when I'm out and about and think it has really set kind of set the bar for other other schools to achieve. But, yes, sir. Um, the other thing I was going to mention, too, you know, and we're talk, kind of talking about growing our own and recruiting, mm -hmm. that type of thing. And I know within our district we have what we call the Novice Teacher Mentor Program. Yes. Uh, can you talk about that and what your experience might have been, might be with that as far as how the Novice Teacher Mentors support mm -hmm. those, uh, you know, those zero- to three-year teachers and how that we can help them – Stay in the profession? Sure. One of the things that, you know, there's all, and we talked about this at the teaching um, summit, there's all types of barriers that are in the way because we have talented people waiting to get into to the profession. But there's barriers in the way that um, will prevent them from getting in. And one of those things really is we've got testing in the way. You know, they have to pass those tests, but we certainly need them to take those tests so that they can be what we, you know, would deem highly qualified or qualified even to get in the classroom. Mm -hmm. um, because just because you may have a little bit of talent, you still have to go through training. So what the novice teacher mentor does is really gives them a little bit of accountability. Because mm -hmm. if you don't schedule those things out, uh, you just simply will not 
you won't, it'd be a back burner because you're trying to handle a classroom. Um, but they also offer a style of encouragement. It's just an extra additional layer of support. And you don't always get that support. We haven't been used to that type of support. But not only do you have coaches that are, you know, in your building and people and colleagues that can support you, this is just more, it's just more of a focus to really help them stay on task, really help with accountability, but help with encouragement. And from what I'm told, they can access their, their mentors at any time, on weekends, you know, late at night, they're encouraged to call them because they understand this is a lot, but in the end, this is gonna be well worth it. You will be proud of yourself when you um, reach those goals. And, and for our listeners, just I, I just wanna point out the impact that's had district-wide. Over the last two or three years, we've gone from like a 65% retention rate mm -hmm. to like in the low 90%. Absolutely. And that's, that's tremendous. And, it's and that's phenomenal. a great return on investment for mm -hmm. us. And so let me ask you another question. I really haven't. I'm going to kind of spring on you. but Oh, you're springing something. Uh, yeah, just so get ready. <laughs> uh -huh. there, there's no right or wrong answer. But, okay. You know, I personally, and I think we all are trying to focus on hiring more teachers and staff who look more like the students whom we serve. Absolutely. Right. So talk to me about how, how do you do that? How do you uh, encourage maybe future teachers of diverse populations right. to really uh, maybe get into the field of education? So diversity looks different depending on where you're at. I'm proud to say that we do have a very diverse staff, um, but I do really feel like it comes with creating a need just you know we need to let whatever population wants to serve our kids we need to let them know that they mm -hmm. are needed that it is important for them to work there i think um seeing faces that look like you is a real thing mm -hmm. um i think that you know once you know students have to know that you care but just automatically seeing somebody that is like a member of your family we refer to it as saying hey this is like your mama teaching in the classroom <laughs> and so you know kids automatically respect that but mm -hmm. just really that comes from a place of of telling that professional you know what there is a need for you to be here mm -hmm. we want you to be here we want you to serve our kids you will make an impact doing this and i think that speaks loudest to anybody we also have a lot of I'm proud to say we have a lot of males on our campus, which you know education is female dominated, especially in the elementary school. Absolutely, yeah. but again, that comes from creating that need and saying, you know, you have something to offer without training. This is something that's natural that you can offer, and when you get the training, you'll be even more powerful. But just simply you being in education, being a man, you are automatically qualified that you are a father to many, just being a man stepping in there. And that has spoken really loud to a lot of our men. Mm -hmm. um, we got about 10 men on our campus, which is that is truly amazing unprecedented. For a, a K-6 school. Absolutely. Yeah. And so same thing with our staff members. We want them to see, and it's important that you see faces that look like you, but you also need to see faces that really truly represent the workplace and out in the world you know so diversity is extremely important there's so many things woven in that it's just not only diversity of what someone looks like but also diversity of gifts 
I mean, we're talking about people with gifts and talent. We don't want the same talent. We want your unique talent to contribute on a team full of talented individuals. And once we put that together, then we can really have it's some that time. synergy. We're all Absolutely. better together than we Absolutely. are separate. Absolutely, yes. Yeah. And I'll just say, compliment you that um, you know you're an excellent role model, and I've seen you in action. And thank you. You, you lay it out there for the kids. I mean, the kids. I've seen you hug up on kids. That's, and, yeah, that's. And uh, I mean, to me, that just speaks volumes. And that's something we can't teach our leaders. Right. That's just something that's inherent in them. Yeah. But you know, I'm I'm a big student of leadership. Uh, you know, I'm always looking for leadership practices that can help move our schools and and that type thing one thing i I would like for you to comment on and i know you and sarah jim mcdaniel Mm -hmm. were a team there at mosley at one time talk to me about kind of the some of the things you and sarah jean did as a team and of course let me say this sarah jean through her efforts actually um would earn the not distinction of being the florida state principal of the year for the year 2020 for the work that both of you did at Mosley, but yes. talk to me about some of the leadership practices. And I know you and her got real creative mm-hmm. on, uh, especially, you, <laughs> I wish I could play it here, but you actually sang a song uh, where both of you sang kind of a rap song. Yeah. You know, <laughs> We've done quite Recruiting a teachers and yeah. all that, but yes. that was really thinking outside the box. But just talk to me from a leadership perspective, what you and or Sergene, you know, did to really move that school? So one of the most powerful things I could probably, you know, just really give you and think about, there was a moment that we walked into a room full of, you know, administrators, and they asked us to really think about our leadership styles, and they asked us separate, and then what we would do is look at that and compare what we had. Mm-hmm. And so as we went through that exercise, you know, most of the room was saying you lead from top down. There's a top down model. Mm-hmm. And I have never really believed in that leadership style for me personally. I do think it can be a really effective leadership style. But for me personally, I think I'm more of a person that is you know, we t- when we talk about leadership, it's more of you're leading in the center out. And if you could think about, you know, a stone just hitting water and how that ripple affects outward. But you, you have your center and then, you you know, it permeates out. Mm-hmm. And so I drew my model and we compared. And would you know, Sarah Jean had the same exact model. That's amazing. And so we took that and we really saved that mindset and idea of how we would lead think we're both very creative beings and we found that out very quickly that we like to have fun but we're also competitors and we want to get things done and we want to be the best and so we want to hire the best I know one time she said to me she said we're we're not going to take that you know because that that's not the best and you know we don't want to think of ourselves in a position just because we need applicants that we're going to just hire anything. We're not going to settle. We're not going to settle. We want to hire the best. So that type of mindset, I'll say, just it, it was just so important to the success that that we saw. And we, we like to surround ourselves with people that have the same mindset, people that have the same vision of just doing creative things. Now, she is an outside-of-the-box thinker. I've heard that. (laughs) (laughs) Outside of the box. So she has really gifted that to me to try to think outside the box as well. That's not something to hold on to. That's something to share with other people. And so I've encouraged other people to do it too. Use what you can. Make a splash. Make a wave. 
get people looking, you know, all to really say that this is going to be for the good of our community, for the good of our school. We, I mean, we hired, we, we did an interview in Dunkin' Donuts. Oh, wow. <laughs> wow. We, we drove to that spot and did an interview there. We, we share a love for music. And so we did some things with music and, you know, those goofy things like that, people feel connected and they feel like, you know what, these are down to earth people. And so that's what we want to communicate authenticity that's a great story and um so tony i just want to thank you for being here today and um again some of the thank things you. that you and sarah jean with your time together and of course you have come in as a principal now and you know your assistant principal amber simons oh y'all oh. working great together yes the culture there is really amazing and I, I really pride you on the fact that you've been able to sustain that and and yes, that's truly amazing and thank you. i can't be more proud Final question, and I kind of spring this on people when I ask them because I'm I'm at the point in my life where in my career where I'm looking past my time yes. as a leader. Legacy is what yeah, you're looking legacy. at. Yes, sir. So tell me what whenever your career is over, what do you want people to remember Tony Benford? Oh, that's such a great question, Mr. Yeah. Cerncy. Yeah, what's what's your legacy? Oh, um <laughs> I don't even know if I'm ready for that. <laughs> I don't know. I still feel like there's so much left, but when I when I look at you know everything, I just want people to feel, have felt that I did the very best that I could do, but really that I loved everybody, that I really gave people a chance, that I was fair to them, that I was kind to them, you know, that that I really cared for them I think and that's what I look for when we try to get somebody on staff you know you can have all the practices you can have all the the knowledge but in our profession you can't fake love for students and you can't fake love for people and I do believe that I am in this profession to do that I am in this profession to care about somebody past what they can offer within my building I'm in here to care about people and to care about students. And I hope people look at my life and say, you know, he really did care about kids. He cared about me as a person. Um, and so that's that's what I would hope they say. And you, you've always heard the adage that uh, people remember how you made them feel. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and I can say, and I'm not just saying this because you're sitting here, but I think nobody will say after they meet Tony Benford that they have any negative feelings at all. I mean, you make them feel very comfortable, and I, I think that really permeates throughout your school. Yes, sir. Yes, so, sir. That's what I'm That's what I'm hoping and aiming for. <laughs> well, I just want to thank you professionally and personally for being here, and I know that uh, I sprang a lot of questions on you. You maybe. did spring a lot of questions <laughs> on me. <laughs> but, but hopefully it's going to make you think about that. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. Just be proud of what you're doing and uh, how you're serving kids. And yes, sir. I appreciate you. Thank okay? you. Thank yeah. you for having me. Yes, sir. All right. All right.